Hello, hello, everybody. How are you doing today? Um, we have a good episode here full of stuff. We're going to talk about some stock stuff. We're going to talk about some UFC. We are going to talk about some conspiracy theories, um, everything that you guys have seen the first two episodes, and we're going to try to improve on some stuff. So let's hop into it. Ant, how are you doing? Good. Had a good day trading. How about you? Yeah, man, it was good. I had uh, I had Wish. I had LKCO. I had BCDA, which went off and then dropped afterwards. So that was nice. I had a nice trade on MLND yesterday night. Um, so yeah, it's been a good week. I'm going to end it early tomorrow because I'm going to Milwaukee on Friday. So I'm trying to get everything in that I can. EVs are finally perking a bit. Except RMO. Dude, fuck RMO, man. I don't know how that thing is so beaten down and like won't pop with the other ones. I mean, I... I check this short percentage here from time to time, and every day it's over 50%. So I really like do think this is going to pop at some point. It's just now it's the the challenge of trying to time when it's about to curl or has it bottomed. It seems like every day it breaks some kind of support. So Yeah, I mean, RMO2, the setup is so perfect. It has a cup and handle, um, and it has a perfect bull flag right now uh, based on just where it was. It's reaching a fib. It's perfect to move. But it just doesn't want to move. It doesn't want to have the buying pressure. It doesn't want to have like the volume that it needs, which sucks. But yeah, it's, it's so going to move one of these days. Yeah. What are you drinking today? I'm drinking the oh, Coors. You got them. I got them. The orange cream pop, baby. Dude, um, those are so good. Yeah, I think it's getting a 9 out of 10 on the Thick Teddy rating. Because I'm a seltzer guy. I know my seltzers. And it's pretty damn good. This is what I got. Sour apple. Okay, it's actually really good. I think it comes in like a pa- uh, variety pack with watermelon, blue raspberry, and peach, maybe. And they're all really good, actually. That looks sick. Natty lights are pretty good too. I was afraid it was gonna be like too sour, but no, the flavor's really good. Is it called no capple? <laughs> yeah, it is no. actually. No capple. That looks good. I'm gonna have to pick some of those up. Yeah, I like sour like, stuff too. It's like twelve bucks for a pack of like. 12 or something it's so cheap oh damn that's an addy light for you yeah they these cores are pretty expensive <laughs> yeah the yeah, cores they were to. they are actually really expensive yeah i think these were like 20 bucks for a 12 pack but uh, i think they're worth good. it though i was afraid mm-hmm. they'd be too sweet but yeah it's like it's like you drink it and it has like that normal seltzer taste that isn't alcoholic but yeah. then you get like a little bit more of orange cream pop in the end it's not sweet it's not too sweet at all for people who don't like like the truly, um, yeah. What are they? The, the punches, the fruit punches. Those yeah, are those are sweet. sweet. They. Uh, um, do you like the truly teas? I haven't tried them yet. Those are the one oh, I haven't dude, tried because I just can't get over a tea with alcohol. They're they're same thing, dude. Like the flavor's good, but they're just too sweet. Like I can drink one of them maybe, and then I'm done. Yeah, the lemonades are goaded, dude. Yeah, the lemonades are I really love really the good. Lemonades. They're like just perfectly sweet enough, but not too sweet. Have you had the Vizzy lemonades? Yeah, those are okay. The regular Vizzy are really good, I think. I think regular Vizzy are really good. The Vizzy lemonades were like, I would say beneath Truly and beneath Mike's, which Mike's hard, dude, blew me out of the water on their lemonades. Pretty damn good. Um, yeah, they are good. But Vizzy is still good. I like, yeah, I like the Vizzy flavors. They have like, a, I think it's a watermelon sum, and that one's like one of my top seltzer flavors. That's, I think it is the watermelon lemonade, I think, is what they have. Pretty damn good. Have you seen the show Millions? Is that with The Rock? No, it's, um, it's about the hedge fund guy, Bobby Axelrod. And the uh, attorney general is trying to prosecute him for like insider trading. Mm-hmm. Super good. I think, I think you could binge it and you'd probably like it. It's like House of Cards type of thing. Um, What's it on? Yeah, he's like... I think it's HBO Max or one of those, whichever one has HBO package. It might be on Hulu if you buy one of the add-ons or something yeah, or Showtime. You, uh, um, you need to watch Chernobyl. Dude, I think I told I you about know, that. I need to. Yeah. You need to check out Millions and I'll check out Chernobyl. But Millions, dude, it's, it's like political, mm-hmm. but they're also super rich dudes. So they go around doing crazy stuff. Like he buys like a beach house and then they also, he's obsessed with stock. So it's kind of stock related super good is it um is it like a popular cast or is it more of like a no-name cast kind of um people would probably recommend a couple of the one of the ladies the wife in it is from uh sons of anarchy 
Mm. And the guy, the attorney general, is definitely recognizable. But other than that, there's not crazy many that I recognize. Yeah. That's how Chernobyl um, is. You won't know a single person in it, but it's the best series I've ever watched. You told me it has like a bunch of twists and turns, which I fuck with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and like the whole st- the whole story's crazy because it's it's a a mini series, so it's based on what actually happened, like with the power plant stuff and the shit like Russia did to cover that up is crazy. Um, I know it. I think it came out like two three years ago, and it won- it like swept the board at the awards shows. It was that oh, good. Dang. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. I mean, I watch most of my stuff illegally that I can't find. Um, mm-hmm. But I will definitely watch Chernobyl. Once I finish Billions, which I think I'm season two, and there's like four, I think, um, I'm going to hop on Chernobyl. Really good. Did you happen to see uh, the Bo Burnham comedy special yet? No, dude, but I listened to that song that you sent or you posted on Twitter, and it's actually so good. His Dude, he is like a musical genius in that song. That's like the one song off that that's my favorite, but... That entire thing is like most most of his songs are funny and stuff because he's a comedian, but um, that song is so good. I didn't know he had a so voice good. like that, honestly. Like I didn't know much about yeah. him. I, I just I kind of knew he was a comedian, but like he actually has a really good voice. Yeah, he talks about like basically social media and how he thinks it's like fucking our generation up, and also talks about like um, how we're messing with the planet and all that kind of stuff, and just like also he talks a lot about like how the pandemic really got in his head and like made him have like more panic attacks and stuff like that because he had to quit comedy because he had like real bad anxiety something like that um but he's super funny throughout all of it he has a song about like instagram women's instagram feeds it's hilarious isn't i like heard a little bit about it doesn't it like take place in his apartment or something yeah it's in one room Mm -hmm. he like changes the background for every song and stuff that's dope super funny and the music's pretty good Okay, so today we're talking risk management. Um, There's a ton of stuff we can talk about. I'm probably going to go over some scaling in, scaling out my plans when it comes to just protecting myself from a knife. I'll talk a little bit about day trading, a little bit about swing trading, but I know that you are a risk management um, god. So I'm going to let you go on your rant. You can talk about it, and then I'll follow up afterwards. Okay. Um. Yeah, people have heard me talk about risk management a lot. I think I've done a couple lessons on them. Um, If you didn't know, if you're not in Discord with Teddy and I, I actually write my own lesson plans up and I post them on like stuff. A lot of the stuff like we're they're fucking awesome, everyone. (laughs) Thank you. But uh, yeah, I like to do stuff like I not dumb it down, but make things simpler for people and like give them visuals because as a newer trader, you have a million questions and it's like learning a new language. So I like to do that. And, like, think about when I first started, like, what could I put out that people would understand? Um, but anyway, I've done ones on risk management. And when we talk about risk management, we talk about, like, scaling into a position slowly, not overextending into, into a position. And, like, when we say overextend, we mean risking more than you're willing to lose or, say, throwing half your account into one thing. Because anything can happen in the stock market and a huge loss like that as you're trying to grow your account is a killer. Um, like we talk about scaling out too um, and I like to use this analogy all the time. So when you're scaling, we scale out like I know I personally will start scaling out at like 5%. I'll scale out a fourth of my position at 5%, another fourth at 10 another fourth at 15 15 to 20, and then nine times out of 10, I'll hold a fourth of what I got for in case something runs hard. Like, depending on the chart and stuff, obviously, like there's other factors, but a lot of the times I'll hold something in case something runs. And by scaling out of your position, you're paying yourself and you're ensuring you're winning the trade no matter what happens with that last little bit of your position. Um, but people get so caught up in, oh, well, 5% to me is only like, let's say, 20 bucks profit. But you got to understand, when you have a small account, your goal should be to stack small wins together to gradually grow your account. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a couple months. It might not even happen in a year or two. Like, it it takes time. Um, But say you start scaling out at 5% and it yields you $20. As you grow your account, that $20 at 5% turns into $200. 
at 5%. And that $200 turns into $1,000 at 5%, so on and so forth. You get what I'm saying? Profit is completely relative to your account size. And people have heard me say this time and time and time again, and you probably get annoyed with me saying it, but it's so crucial that you stay strict and you take profits at percentages, not dollar amounts. You, you need to win more trades than you lose. You need to stack small wins together. And as you grow your account, so do the profits. So that's what we talk about when we talk about scaling out. Um, when we talk about scaling in, I like to use the 40-30-30 method where I will take a 40% starter. Um, if something consolidates, like I played CEI, for example, I took a 40% starter at, I think, $0.64, cents just con- and then throughout the day just consolidated, consolidated, kept confirming support, so then I added another 30%. And then I have another 30% left over in case I want to add more. Say we go on a crazy run, maybe I average up. Um, but by scaling in, slowly it allows me to build a full position and limit my risk. Now, I'm always using a stop loss. I'll, so, say support 63 cents, my average is 64 cents. I'm going to place that stop loss 2, 3 cents under support to minimize my, my loss if my stop loss hits. That way, we can move on to a new trade. I'm not blowing my account up. And, and, and it's all about m- minimizing losses, scaling out when you're winning, and building profit. Um, I'm sure you can speak on that, but I'm super passionate about being very, very strict about when you're taking profits. Um, you can't look at dollar amounts. You have to look at percentages. I promise you it works. Um, everyone wants to hit a home run. Here's the thing. You're going to hit a home run maybe once, one, two times a month. You're not going to hit a home run every trade. You need to be strict. You need yeah. to take what you can get and move on. That's the biggest thing, man, is people need to realize that uh, home runs are hard to come by. Like, you need to just be okay taking that 5 to 10% and moving on. There's going to be another name the next week. There's going to be another wish next week. Um, wish is popping off. People want all those dips. People are eating them up. There's going to be another one next week. There's going to be another name that Zach Morris tweets out that people love. There's going to be more. So so don't worry about not having the opportunity to buy another stock. There's always another one, no matter what your mind is telling you. Um, I'll be honest, I think your mind is lying to you most of the time. Your mind is telling you, this could go more, I need to like save more. No, what you need to do is you need to take profit so that you stay green. There's a chance it dips tomorrow 5 to 10%, and all that green is wiped away, whether it's $5 or whether it's $5,000. Um, you need to take it and you need to run with it, and if it goes up more, you need to realize, all right, well, I took my profit where it was, that's the best I can do. Um, I'm not going to hold for 50% every damn time because it's not going to happen every time. If I hold for 50% gains every time, I'm going to make one 50% gainer every week or two, and then I'm going to lose, um, I don't know, three or four trades while I'm at it. And then whether that evens out is kind of a, just a, um, a toss up. So for me, the biggest thing about risk management is that stop loss that I do is mental, um, I know that you might use, if you're watching this, you might use a hard stop loss. You might have a strong opinion on this. But for me, this is the strategy I've used, and it works um, for my trading strategy. What it is is, so I have my price that I buy in at is right here. The support I know is right here. um, And then there's also a second support beneath it. So I have a price that I bought in at. And I'm going to let it, if it goes down, say I buy in RMO. RMO is a piece of shit. Um, It's going to go down, and it's going to touch that support. And so RMO, I bought in at like nine fifty something like that, and nine dollars was that support. So it comes down, it touches it, bounces off it. I'm thinking, woohoo! I timed the bottom perfectly. I knew the support, but then it goes down, it touches it again, and then it breaks through it. Um, and that's when I start to look at it and I say, okay, you're kind of on my like bad list. Like I'm gonna watch you now. You're you've got my attention. Um, and then that second support, which I think RMO, the second support was like eight twenty that I had mapped out, maybe even eight fifteen. Um, and then my, my mental stop loss is if it breaks beneath that that second, then I'm cutting it. And by the way, this entire time I've been averaging down. So I bought in 950 um, 
I buy in again at nine and then I average and then I buy in again at 850. I buy in again as it goes down, but I'll get on that a little bit later. But my, my stop loss goes as um, buy in first level. If it hits it, um, bounces up it off of it. Great. If it hits it and it breaks through it, I keep it on a watch. I'm watching it. I'm saying, okay, um, I'm keeping track of you now. And then it has the second one. And if it goes beneath the second one, I give it, I don't know, it depends on how expensive the stock is, but probably 1% beneath the, uh, the the second, I guess, support level. And once it breaks through that, boom, I cut it and I have to move on. Um, so now scaling in and scaling out. For me, scaling in is in one-fourths. Um, I haven't tried the 40, 30, 30, so I might give that a shot, but I do one-fourths. So if I buy something in at a dollar, if I see it at a dollar, I buy it. And then if it hits, um, say, like a support beneath that I think it's going to bounce off of, I add another fourth. And then if it goes down further... Um, I add another fourth and another fourth, and then that's where I would be for scaling in as I do the same exact thing if it's moving up. So say I buy in at, this happened on BCD. I think I bought in at 460 exactly, and then it went up to 470, and I bought in at 470 again on that second fourth. Um, It kind of depends on the catalyst for me because I do a lot of bio swings. I do a lot of established catalyst swings. So say I buy in at 460 and then the next day it's at 470 and I have a catalyst in three days. I can't wait for, say, like another big dip. I have to find the best dip I can get and I got to take it. Um, So I average up from 460 to 465 right in the middle of those 460 and 470. so if you have a catalyst scale in depending on the time scale in if I have a month to do it I can take one every few I can take one every three days or every four days and I'm gonna get within a week or week and a half I'm gonna have my full position um, but then I do a very very similar scaling out strategy to you at five percent I sell one fourth almost every time um, this is on everything but my long so my longs like AMTX I hold for a little bit bigger profit I hold for a little longer. Um, like a year, I'm thinking year, two years maybe, but for anything that's a swing or anything that's um, shorter than like six months, I one fourth at 5% and then another fourth at 10%, another fourth at 15%. And then that last fourth gets to go do whatever it's going to do. If it's going to go back down to my entry and I'm going to cut it at my entry and not make any money off of it, that's what's going to happen. If I, if it's going to go to 40% and then I'm going to finally cut it because I think it needs to be cut, then that's what's going to happen. Um, but the biggest thing for risk management is the scaling in and scaling out. You're going to save yourself so much money just deciding to take a little more time, be able to map out those levels and determine um, one fourth here, one fourth, 10 cents down, another fourth, another 10 cents down rather than buying all in at once. Because I have some people on my sub fund who um, I've just been teaching them this recently and RMO is the first real lesson that we're learning um, together because they would buy in a little too heavy in the past. And on RMO, I was very clear, buy in 950 and I'm taking one fourth and I'm not buying another fourth until we hit $9 and then I'm waiting. So my average is pretty decent. I think my average is right around $9 now because I've bought a ton around 850. Um, but it's a perfect lesson. It's a perfect lesson as in good stocks can dip way more than you think they can or do crazy things that you might not even, um, think are technically possible based on their chart. They could break out of the best looking chart and you have a perfect dip buy though, but if you don't have any money to scale in with it, then um, you're not getting any of that reward. You're just taking the risk right there. And another thing is um, risk reward does also come down to, um, is there the upside of the five and 10% sooner rather than later? Time has to be worked into risk management as well. So RMO is taking quite a while for me. Um, it's it's taken much longer than I think. So right now the risk reward is damn near hitting my level of, well, it's not really worth it anymore because if I'm waiting forever for, and then I'm just going to scale out at 5%, it's, it's, the risk reward is a little um, up in the air. But something that I think could move in three days, like BCDA, um, the risk reward is perfect because if I'm buying in, I think I can get 5% tomorrow or even the next day then that's, that's a perfect risk reward, buying in now. And then in a day, I have 5%. I sell one fourth, and then I sell another fourth if it goes up anymore. Um, solid, that's good risk reward. But waiting, having to wait a super long time for 5% is not ideal risk reward. Um, so if you can take anything from this video, I would say scaling in and scaling out, man. Like scale in, um, save more money, 
for later than you think you need. And then scaling out, take more money out sooner than you would ever think because that's how you're going to protect your capital and that's how you're going to slowly get those base hits like Ant was talking about, which I preach all day on my sub fund. Base hit, base hit, base hit. Get those. Get 5% five times a day. That's kind of what I aim for is 5% five times a day. If I get 10% one time a day or two times a day, that is what it is on those swings. That's perfect. I love that. Um, And they add up. They add up like crazy. Soon you're going to be having 4% days, 3% days, and then you're going to have a full week of having 3% every single day. Um, So yeah, scale in, scale out, take those base hits, and uh, don't let the words, the outside words of huge price targets or huge percentages or people calling you a penny flipper, don't let those um, impact you. Because I've seen that. I've gotten razzed by people um, for being a penny flipper, for taking 10% here and then buying it on the next dip and taking 5% after that. And um, that's how I grow my account. That's how I've gotten to where I am. Um, Granted, there are some home runs in the middle there, but these base hits are the, the basis of good traders. Good traders get these base hits and they add them up. And, um, yeah, that's what I recommend for everyone. Yeah, just to go off that, two things quick. Um, Teddy mentioned a mental stop. I I will use a mental stop too, but um, and I think mental stops are great. But when me and Teddy are talking about using a stop loss, we're, this is talking to a newer trader. We can use mental stops because we can assume the risk and we know what to look at on a chart. If you're new, I, I suggest a hard stop because it will protect your account and you don't want to be holding a bag on something for months and months because there you're then your cash is sitting there and you're not cycling you're not cycling it into other stocks you're not making money like say you put half your account in something and it just sits for months that's not efficient in any sort of way um if you used a stop loss like you should that won't happen and um when another thing is talking about these price targets on Twitter and all this stuff, you guys got to understand is that nine times out of 10, a price target never hits on Twitter. Um, there's people like Zach Morris. I know we like Zach Morris a lot. He throws price targets out and a lot of the times they do hit, but there's other people that'll throw a price target out and it never hits. It's just to like fit their own agenda um, because they know they can artificially move the price and stuff like that. So I just, uh, I really preach, you gotta, you gotta scale out at percentages and do not, do not look at dollar amounts and do not look at price targets. Um, it'll only benefit you. So, yeah, um, I'll build off that a little bit. So if you are new, a stop loss based on the chart is crucial. Um, because also if you're new, you're likely to not be looking at your computer all day. Like I sit here for quite a few hours of the day. And I'm looking and watching my charts. If you're not able to do that, a hard stop loss is um, perfect. It's going to work. It's what you probably need to use. And if you're newer, it's it's what you need to use as well. Because you need to kind of get that discipline. Because discipline equals confidence in trading. Discipline of taking 5% and also cutting a loss at, say, like minus 2% after a day trade that you don't like. Or a minus 3% on a swing after it went green to red. Um, That discipline is perfect. You need that discipline because once you have the discipline over and over and over and over, um, I could say discipline 500 times and it's, it's, I'm going to preach it, discipline. Um, I have my rules written down in this little notebook right here and every single morning I flip to that first page and I make sure I know 5%, you take a fourth off, Teddy. Um, Don't be an idiot. Don't let those words in your mind tell you, but, but look at the momentum it has right now. Look at that level two. That level two looks so bullish. Um, I have to flip to that about three times a day and look at it and say, shit, okay, yeah, you're, damn, my my rules are right. And then I take that. Um, and if I'm down 3% on the day trade and it was one of those morning news runners that's up 50% already, I look at my rules and it says, Teddy, you got to cut that. Teddy, it's not going to come back up if it broke through that uh, support it had. No matter how many times your brain is telling you, what if I just average down? It could rip on the next two or three five-minute candles. Um, it's not going to happen. I need to take that minus 3% or else I end up with a minus 10%. And then I end up with a minus 12%. And then I end up with a minus 15%. And then I'm st- stuck there like debating, do I just overnight it then? Like it could just be a swing now. Who knows? Um, so yeah, hard stop losses until you realize um, how to use a mental loss and how to use a um, chart 
as it's happening because that's a really big thing that we'll get into. I think maybe on the next episode we'll talk about charts. But yeah, use a hard stop loss if you're new and use a hard stop loss if you don't know the ins and outs of a mental stop loss. Yeah, one really quick example of this would be today, Wish. Um, I think we ran to like $14.30 and everyone's thinking, oh, this is going to go to 15 This is going to go to 16 17 uh, we almost came back down to 13 bucks, so I can guarantee you there's a lot of people that are still holding. It's not really a bag, but they're buying in at 14 plus, and now we're at, I don't know, 13.6 or something. So I know a lot of I guarantee you a lot of people didn't use a stop loss. A lot of people got FOMO. They didn't take the right entry and stuff like that. So that's one of the reasons you can't really listen to Twitter. Uh, it is so damn important to learn how to chart on your own and i'll say it until i am done doing this that you need to learn how to read a chart you need to learn how to take proper entries you need to learn how to use a stop loss you need to know when to exit your trade and take a like a stop loss enables you to get a better average i posted something today i was scalping wish my entry was exactly thirteen dollars and eighty cents um it ran to like fourteen three, and on the on that run, it pulled back and hit thirteen eighty. My stop loss was three cents under thirteen eighty. The wick pulled down and hit thirteen eighty. If my stop loss is at my average, I'm out of that trade. I miss fifty cent profit. Um, so there's just so many different factors and things. But I really, really suggest learning how to do basic charting. I know we're gonna do an episode on basic charting, so we can help you guys out with that. But it it can only benefit you, so. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, yeah, the other thing, the little insight I have is if you see price targets on Twitter, Discord, wherever you're seeing them, um, treat them as an analyst price target from specifically an analyst like HC. Um, treat it like something that you don't respect. Keep it in the back of your mind, but also don't have that be a pivot point that you want to sell at because 90% of the time HC their price targets don't hit ever most of the time they're pumping something like PTE which is kind of a crap stock um whether we we traded it and it had a catalyst so that was the kind of the momentum about it but HC might have a price target on that that they know is not going to hit they just want people to buy it based on their price target so treat Twitter treat Discord whoever's saying a price target treat that as um exactly what what hc would do um i have an idea so yeah pt let's go on that should we both guess what pt closed at today and whoever gets further away has to chug the rest of their drink what pte closed at today oh my god yeah 60 cents 60 Oh, fuck. I'm going to give you a second guess because I don't think it closed at 60. Wait, what was it at? What was it at recently? I we traded it, it we... from like 90 cents to a dollar ten or a dollar twenty, And the last time I saw it was like a week ago. And it was like a dollar six. Two bucks. Two bucks? Okay, I'm going to go. <sighs> I, haven't seen a, I haven't seen a thing about PTE. Neither have I, so I'm I don't know if it went up now. or down. I'm going to go... Oh, my I'm gonna God. Go... <laughs> I'm going to go fucking... I feel like it's gone down. I feel like it's gone 89 cents. You're way closer than I am. It, it closed today at $1.12, I think. $1. I thought you were asking right. me because like it, something crazy happened. Oh, okay. Well, then we're... No, I was asking because I have no fucking idea. Let's choose a different random stock. Okay. And we'll actually... Okay, what's okay. a stock that we both know? Um, I'm not going to cheat. Uh, what's a stock we both know? That we don't know the price of right now. Uh, I don't know the price of Jan. I actually didn't trade Jan today. I know the price of Jan. All right, Walmart. Let's do Walmart. I have no fucking idea what the price of Walmart, Walmart. is. Walmart. I'm going to say 100 and... Four dollars. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna I think it's more than that. One twenty. One twenty? Okay, let me let me Google this bitch. Yeah, I think we need to find it. Ooh, it's one thirty six. Damn it. Okay. I got about half my half my seltzer left. 
Walmart. All right. Let me look at I'll the pay yearly. Up. Hey, that's about five bucks you just chugged, so you better enjoy that. <laughs> it tasted better chugging it, to be honest. Dude, you know oh, crap. You, wanna, you might agree with me, you might not, but... High noons are so good when they're cold, and when they're not cold, they are so bad. I don't like any drink not cold, I'm not going to lie. There's but high some noons stuff, specifically? Well, like, I mean, like, like, really, like, there's some drinks that they're, like, still kind of cold and they still taste good, but, like, I feel like high noons, is if they're not super cold, they don't taste good. I don't know. They, they get sharper. The vodka gets nastier when you, like, it's warm them up. As you... Yeah, I was I was noticing high noon, like you start up here and it's like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever drank. You get here, it's like, damn, this is still pretty good. And then once you get down here, you're like, oh, dude, I got to finish this so I can get another dude, one. Dude, you know what track. I need to send you? I'll, I'll bring it on next episode. I have um Yeti, like, hard koozies, bro. Oh, fuck. I want one of those really bad. That's oh, not a koozie, but yeah, um, yeah, they actually, like, you think like, oh, can they, are they really that good? Bro, I'm telling you, you can o- crack a can open, put it in the koozie, it'll stay the same cold, like how it was in the fridge for 30 minutes, hour. Oh, bro. I'll send you one. I like Yeti. Yeti makes some good-ass oh, products, like, bro. I have so yeah, many Yeah, I got ones. one of those, too. I want one of their coolers, but they're too damn expensive. I'm yeah, a cheap Yeah, I actually ass. just got one. Oh. It's so nice, dude. It's one of the um, soft ones. Oh, you know, I love bucks. those, bro. Yeah, because I golf a lot. Um, and it's so worth it. Are you good at golfing? Because I have not golfed in a year, and I'm going to go probably within the next week. Uh, dude, I'm I'm so bipolar at golf. I also don't have a driver because my driver just broke. But sometimes <laughs> I'm good. Um, sometimes I'm not good at all. But my iron game is pretty bad. I think the last time I went, I missed the ball more than I hit it. So this time. It's embarrassing to say this time, dude, because I got to start getting into this. If I'm going to meet with my analyst guys on the on the course, I got to fucking get that swing down, keep that arm straight, or whatever they say. The best thing to do, the, the, like the best part of golf, is just drinking. Like, yeah, exactly. Getting the bev cart come around, be yeah. like, hey, pull me up a whatever I want. Yeah. All right, so bullish versus bullshit. This is something we thought of this week that we're going to start doing probably every week. And we're going to talk about some stocks that have big names, um, things that are all over Twitter, all over Discord, and we're going to give you bullish or bullshit. Uh, Both of us will give separate opinions depending on if they're the same or different. And um, yeah, I think the one stock that I want to put in here is Wish. Um, Yeah. You have any particular ones other than that that you want to talk about? Other than Wish? Yeah. Um... Let's do, you want to do like Fubo or something? Because a lot of people are, throw some crazy shit out about Fubo. Yeah, let's do, let's do Fubo, Wish, and let me think of another one. Tesla, is this little pop bullish or bullshit? And let me pull up the charts on my phone right here just so I know. I can start with Wish. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm hella bullish on Wish from here. I think... The combination of Wall Street bets on it, the combination of Twitter on it, and the combination of it just being super undervalued um, gives it room to 15 to 20, easy. Um, and also the chart just broke out of that downtrend, actually broke out of it. Before it was kind of like it, like we weren't sure, like it was kind of right on the candle that it needed to break out, and it did break out. And I think we see 15 or 20, easy. So... If you're not like familiar with me, if you're like one of if you follow Teddy and you don't really follow me, I'm a super super technical trader, and technically the chart looks really good. Um, we're kind of forming a flag here. Uh, a break on fourteen fifteen will send us right to seventeen bucks. Um, some people might not know this, but I called Wish like a month ago. There's a thing on Twitter, like Unusual Whales tweeted. Um, the first people on Wish, and like no disrespect, like Zach Morris or anybody, but like I was first. Well, I wasn't yeah, first. Yeah, we talked first. about it in the Discord, bro. I remember you bringing it up. Yeah, I wasn't like I put it on my watch list like a month or two ago because of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I called it at like seven dollars and I don't know mid sevens. Um, 
And then we had that crazy pop to like 17.7 just randomly. Um, this was before people like, this was before Wall Street Bets was really like on it, before Zach Morris was really on it. <clears throat> um, and then we retraced and then we got the pop from like, I know Zach was on it and then some other people on Twitter were on it. Um, I think Yates, Yates is on it. A lot, almost everybody's on it. Um, but like technically speaking, it looks ready to break out again. Um, and you got to think from the day IPO to just was on a downtrend. Um, it was so heavily shorted. Um, and simply put, this is not a $7, a $13 or an $18 stock. It's a high growth company. This is a $30 stock minimum. Um, I think this is something you could buy now and put in a long-term port and look at it in a year or two. And it, this might be $50. So, Again, don't listen to price targets. I yeah. trade technically, so I know when I'm going to scale out. I know when I'm going to enter the stock. But, uh, yeah, I'm extremely bullish on Wish. I was extremely bullish on it when it was $7 and nobody was talking about it. And I know you were too, and now we're extreme, even more bullish on it that it's getting all this attention. So Nice momentum. And the float, I, I saw something about the, the flow today, and it was like, 85% calls to 15% puts or something. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's definitely going to move. What are you feeling about Fubo? Dude, I love Fubo. I This is another one. I, um, I called Fubo at like... <clears throat> when did I call Fubo? I called Fubo at like $15 in November. And I remember that too. We yeah. got a crazy run into the 60s. I've called it a couple times since then. Like this is a stock that follows technicals really, really well, and that's why I like it so much. Is because like I can see something on the chart and I can be almost one hundred percent confident what it's gonna do. Um, but I know they're like doing a lot of things with like sports betting. Um, they're do they're like branching out uh, again, high growth. I'm extremely yeah. bullish on Fubo. Um, chart looks good. I know a lot of people on Twitter are on Fubo. Um, you got to look at like yeah. its competitors and stuff. But yeah, I like Fubo a lot too. So I think Fubo for me, I'm gonna throw bullshit out there. I think Fubo. I like the company. I think the company in the future is gonna be worth thirty to forty bucks, um, fifty possibly as well. But right now based on what we might see within the next week or two, talking fundamental-wise, what we've gotten for earning reports, what I've read through, I think it's probably a $25 stock, um, 25 to $30 stock. And so I think this 33 to 35 that we might hit, like short-term, within the next week to week and a half, you could see 10% gains from right here. But I think for me, I think it's bullshit because I think it's going to settle into the 25 to $30 range. Um, and I think it's going to bounce around a little bit. And then as it bounces around, time's going to go on. And I think we might see some some hires after that, like 35 to 40. But for me right now, I think it's a 25 to $30 stock. And I think unless Wall Street Bets gets on it really hard, again, like it did when it went to 60, I think we're going to see some maybe just some sideways trading from here. Um just because of the numbers that I've read and their business plan that I've read. I think it's a great company with a great future, but it's not a future that's going to get them to over $40 or over $45 right now. Yeah, with with them too is um, like a, literally a, a theme, like you know, a lot of people know the theme now is, oh, let's find the most shorted stock, let's pump the most shorted stock um, and before it was a perfect combination of Fubo was undervalued and very shorted, like over 50% for a while. And I'm looking at the short percentage now, like 29%, 28%. It's, so it's really not that, I mean, it's shorted, but it's not like it was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I agree with you. Um, I, we're a little overextended here on some of the time frames, but yeah, we'll see how. Do you know what their earnings is? No, I don't actually. Yeah, we'll see. I know this is one that like gets when this falls under twenty, it gets eaten up. Big yeah. Time. So we'll see. 
Um, it's Demand good, is scouts. certainly low twenties. Demand, if yeah. it ever gets to low twenties again, people are going to absolutely buy the shit out of it. Tesla, what do you think? <sighs> What's Tesla now? Like six sixty? Um, I don't know. The weird thing about Tesla is, I'm really not a big Elon Musk fan. I think the stuff- I think his sentiment's shifting, bro. I think people are starting to dislike him. This is the thing with Elon Musk, like absolute genius. Could never even imagine being as smart as him. But he's doing certain things with like Dogecoin, crypto. He's manipulating the market and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's losing people millions yeah. and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, I think that's a load of shit. Um, you're playing with other people's money and, cause, and you know what you're doing. You have the power to do that. So yeah, I kind of hope Tesla takes a shit. Um, are you calling bullshit? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I'm calling bullshit, and I, I'm kind of hoping for it, honestly, because yeah. when you're losing retail traders' money like that and you're manipulating the market, I don't know. That's To me, that really pisses me off, kind of. So, Yeah. No, I definitely I agree with all those statements. I think Elon, um, I had a lot of respect for him up until about two months ago, three months ago, when he started with his crypto shenanigans. Um Pumping Bitcoin and then coming out stating you didn't know about certain things that it caused for the environment. Um, Sir, you don't know about crypto? You don't know how it's mined? Um, Elon, I'm I'm calling bullshit on that, but I'm calling bullish on your stock. Um, I see the daily, and all I see from it is I see a massive bull flag right here, a bull pennant. and Tesla is such a cult stock, I can't see it going down from here. I see it. This this little breakout it had today was nice, 5%, but I see maybe it just trading sideways for a week or two, and then we're going to get another breakout, and I think we might see um, yeah, some, some returns to previous highs. The next high we need to see is 755 and then after that, it's $900. I think we break out of this bull flag we have here, and we see 755 month or two to three months out and then 900 could be another month out or a couple months out but i think it's going to gain momentum here soon um i won't be trading it because i don't really like to trade as large of caps like that i don't like to trade something like tesla that i think i think is overextended via fundamental wise like i think um price to earnings ratio is absolutely crazy but I also just can't deny that Tesla is Tesla and people treat it like it's a different animal. Um, so, yeah, I think bullish on this one for me. Yeah, analyzing just the stock, like I'm I'm calling bullshit on Elon, but analyzing the stock, I agree 550 is the absolute bottom. Um, so the bottom's already in. I'd look, the levels I'd look for, 680, 680 price send you right to 730, 740, just looking at this chart. Yeah. So a break on 680, you're going right past 700. <clears throat> um, so technically, yeah, it looks really good. But when you're, like I said, if you're playing with other people's money like that and manipulating the market, you can go to hell. So Yeah, you can go, go F yourself. Yeah. Um, all right, UFC. Let's talk some UFC. I'm going to throw out some of the uh, this weekend in the UFC Apex Center. We have, I think it's UFC Vegas 30. And mm-hmm. the main event is Cyril Gain versus Alexander Volkov. We'll get to that one later. I have some strong opinions about one of those fighters on there. But um, starting at the bottom, Yancy Medeiros and Demir Hadzovic. We can just run through these. I'm taking Yancy Medeiros. I think he's going to kickbox him. Yeah, I have Medeiros too. Okay, beautiful. Martian Prochino Pr- versus Ike Villaneva. I'm taking Martian Prochino because I think they're both in a... Um, win or get cut situation and i just think ike villanueva is not a ufc caliber talent no didn't he lose like how many of his last how many fights he's on like and then he just won one against an absolute scrub maybe the worst fighter um i've seen in a long time but before that he lost like his last three or four fights so yeah yeah and he's a fat heavy or fat light heavyweight one of those those guys is getting cut Yeah, and then we have Worley Alves versus Jeremiah Wells, and I think Worley Alves is going to be able to either knock him out or submit him on the ground, 
can do whatever he wants. He's a way Jeremiah better fighter. Yeah, all around, he's just way fucking better. Yeah, that's somebody I'd put a decent chunk of money on. Yeah, he's tough as hell. Um, Kennedy Njoku, I don't know how to say that, Njoku. and Danny Marquez. Danilo Marquez. I don't know how to bet that one. I will not have any money on this, but I think I'd go Kennedy and Juecano. I think that's a toss-up, yeah. Yeah, definitely toss-up. All right, main card. Renato Moicano and Jai Herbert. Jay Herbert. I think we were talking before, Moicano just doesn't have a chin. So if you catch Moicano and he's going lights out, um, I'd probably yeah. get Herbert. I think, I think I would lean the same way. Again, there's going to be absolutely – I will not have any money on this because Moicano can come out and leg kick the hell out of you, um, keep at distance and look like a Jose Aldo type, but he hasn't recently, so I think Herbert might take it. Tim Means, Nicholas Dalby. I'm taking Tim Means. Um, I think he's just a better striker. Have you seen Dalby fight? Yeah, I watched two of his fights. He's not bad, but he's also gotten pieced up by good inside boxers. So I was going to say, dude, he, he just allows himself to get hit. And Means is yeah. a vet, so I have Means. Means has pretty decent hands, too. Yeah. Um, Feely and Daniel Pineda. I think Daniel Pineda is going to come out and maybe drag him to the ground or land some nice leg kicks um, and look like he's going to cruise to a nice victory. And then I think Andre Feely is going to win the second and the third and beat the living shit out of his face. Feely's tough too, dude. Like you, you can't. I wouldn't fuck with a guy that is missing like three teeth and just refuses to get them fixed. So I love and Andre neck taps Feely, bro. And yeah, yeah, he's exactly. tough. Isn't that wait? Isn't um, that Dillashaw's boy? Or is that... Pineda? No, Feely. Or is that... Um, what's his face? He was on The Ultimate Fighter with McGregor. What's his name? I don't know. Did, wait, wait, wait. Garbrandt? No, no, not Garbrandt. Who coached against McGregor? Um, why can Faber. I not think of his name? Was it Faber? Yeah, it's he's he's boys with uh, one of those guys. Because remember okay. him and McGregor got into it? Yeah, no, no, no. no I do know what you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, But he's tough. Um, and then... We got Rayoni Barcelos versus Tamir Valiev. Um, I'm taking Barcelos. I think he's a solid. He's actually the Jose Aldo type that Renato Moicano thinks he is. Um, Barcelos is absolutely nasty striking. Um, it's going to be closer than people think. Like, Barcelos is a pretty heavy favorite right now. I think he's like minus 180, is maybe. That um, right? Yeah, it is. Yep. And Barcelos is tough as hell, though. I think. He could be like a top five type fighter if he gets the right run, um, which I think he could do it, but it's just, we'll see. I think both those dudes only have one loss, I think. Um, Valiev has two, but oh, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Uh, so you're Ben Barcelos? Yeah, I'd take Barcelos, not at the price he's at, but I think I think he's going to win. That one to me is a toss-up. I might take Barcelos too, but. I haven't yeah. really seen Valiev fight that many times, so it's hard for me to... I've like, only really seen give, him once. Yeah, it's hard for me to really give like a good opinion on that. Yeah. Um, we got Tanner Bozer and Ovin St. Preux. Um I will not be betting on this simply for the fact that Tanner Bozer should win on the feet and Ovin should win on the ground, and Tanner Bozer's takedown defense was okay against Irlatifi, probably leaning more towards bad against Irlatifi. Um, and Ovin St. Preux's gas tank is kind of suspect at times. Um, so it just really depends on what ta- uh, takedown defense shows up for Bozer and what gas tank shows up for OSP. So I have no idea. Dude, half the time I feel like OSP looks like an incredible fighter, like could win the belt. And the other half the time he looks like, why is he in the UFC? That one's a complete toss up to me. Uh, I think that goes maybe one and a half rounds. i I would take OSP, I think, but yeah. like I said, sometimes he just comes out and he looks like absolute shit. So, and he gets chinned randomly. Yep. Um. All right. Serial gone versus Alexander Volkov. I have a strong opinion here. Um. I think Alexander Volkov could be the UFC heavyweight champion within the next two years. Um. But I think Serial gone is going to win this fight. I don't know why. I think his if, last if this fight was, was pff, something to forget. Yeah, boring as hell. I just think he's going to be able to mix in the takedowns on Alexander Volkov. Um, but Volkov, dude, I, 
I, my money wants to go on Volkov, but I just get this gut feeling that Gon is going to be able to take him down, mix it up a little bit better, and get the, the judges to give it to him. But Volkov is tough as nails, bro. I think he's got the tools to maybe beat Nganu if he makes it there. One thing, this might sound stupid, but you might agree, is the only thing I have to say about like bad about Volkov is I feel like his height sometimes almost like burdens him. Like, yeah. he's so tall, and sometimes things, like, th- certain things he does look so awkward because he's so gigantic. It um, takes so long for him to get his leg to the other dude's leg if he's leg kicking, exactly. bro. Exactly, and it's just, it's no fault other than he's just so tall. Um, yeah, he's, he's like, one of those kind of awkward, gangly guys, it feels like. Instead of, like, a Nanganu or a Gain who are, like, like a power boulder, he's, exactly. like, kind of, like, swinging and looping yeah if game catches him it's lights out but yeah volkov could throw a combo at him and just knock him knock a few brain cells off but i think i'm taking gone just as an all-around fighter right now just being able to get a takedown in two rounds and then point strike him for another round i think too dude he's gonna come out and be like listen this is i deserve to be here my last fight was one of the worst fights i've ever watched so yeah the only thing that worries me is volkov is so He's such a veteran, and Gon is only eight fights into his MMA professional career. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's but I do think he's going to come out guns blazing. I think he's eight zero. I don't think he's ever yeah, lost. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's who that's I got, nuts, I got man. man. All right, I think I probably agree with you. Oh wait, do you see my puppy <sighs> in the background? She's sleeping. No, I, well, I saw her walking earlier. Oh, bro, she is so. Yeah, I think cute. she's nine weeks now, but uh, she's bad. Bad. She's. I mean, she's not bad, but like she gets excited sometimes, and she'll go to the bathroom in the house. But yeah. I mean, what can I do? It's hard for me to get That's mad a at a puppy, dude. And with how cute she is, it's hard to get mad at I'm her. I'm surprised at all. she's been asleep this whole time. I thought she was gonna come up and bother me, but <laughs> wonder if my cat will make an appearance. Eh? Oh, right as I say it, there he is. What's his name? Ocho. How old is he? He is Ocho. How old are you? I think he's four now. Yeah, he's four. Dude, hey, I buddy. love cats. People that hate cats, like, come on. Yeah, cats are so nice. And they're, like, so Say self-sufficient, hello. dude. You don't have to take a cat out to go to the bathroom. Yeah, this one, I have two of them. Um, I got to get him situated. This one, he is uh, the nicer of the two. He lets me hold him. He lets me do whatever. He's got some pretty blue eyes. Um, he's a good boy. He, uh, say hello. Yeah, he's... He's a good guy. He eats all the time, though. He was recently super obese, and we've gotten him down to looking like this, which isn't as bad as he just used to like look. Just looks like it's so much fur. Yeah, he is. He is completely covered. Does he shed fur. bad? Um, about two times a year, he sheds a ton. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he doesn't. Let me pull up the camera so I can show you my other one. Yeah, there's my other one sitting at the top of her cat tree. Now, like, um, is he, uh, well, he, is he friendly? The Ocho? No, the other one. Yeah, she's friendly to me, but she's so scared of everyone else that she, like, runs under the bed if she sees anyone. Now, the the nice thing about her is she's a short-haired pointer, and uh, she does not shed at all. Like, not Dude, at all. Dude, that is so, so nice. Yeah, I'm kind of allergic, so I needed some something that didn't shed. She's so cute, too. When you sent me that first picture of her, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I'll I get need her a for puppy. next episode. I'll bring her. Yeah. <laughs> Pull her up on there. Yeah. Damn, bro. All right. So we got some conspiracy to talk about. Um, I believe I had a conspiracy that we need to kind of fill you in on. It is, was JFK killed by the FBI? Um and I think they were going to release some JFK files sometime this year, but I don't remember seeing them or reading anything about them. But um, people think that JFK got killed by the FBI agent in the car behind him because the way his head moves isn't from like the side where they thought the um, apartment building was. Because when he gets hit, it should like knock him. Like You think it would knock someone this way, but he gets hit straight forward from the car behind him. And then they also did uh, some type of forensics on it, and, like, the angle is completely wrong on the bullet wound on his head. Like, the bullet wound on his head should have been from, like, a a certain angle above, and it should have gone in at, like, a certain, and and exited at a certain spot, Mm -hmm. but it goes in at a certain spot and exits at a different spot. Um, 
than what it would have been if it was the uh, the guy up in the window that they thought it was that they ended up catching. Um, and the they think that the motivation behind it was the FBI did not agree with a lot of JFK's opinions on, I guess, like politics. And he also wanted to cut some of their funding at some points. And he was just a real different president than what they'd had before. Um, and I think there were a couple other things, too. I don't really remember what they are, like the fact that he was cheating, the fact that he had some a mistress, that kind of thing. Um, but I, the biggest thing was just that the, the bullet wound didn't line up when they did the, the autopsy. Um, so, and I think it is definitely something that our U.S. government could definitely do. So I don't think it's out of the question. My, my question, my argument to that is, well, when they caught the guy that killed him, was, didn't he have like a gun and stuff? Or is this part of the conspiracy that he was like planted there to take the blame? That is part of the conspiracy is possibly that either the guy in the, like behind him shot him. And there's also, there's like, there's like five different theories here. So the first one is the one I said about how the FBI was mad. And so they decided to shoot him. Um, the second one is that the guy in the window was hired by the FBI for the same exact reasons. Um, and that the guy like just took the downfall for a certain amount of money for his family, blah, 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 whatever the FBI was going to set up his family. Um, the third theory is that the guy behind him, if you watch, there's like a video on YouTube, you can, you can go Google just like JFK did the FBI kill him. They think that it was an accident as well, possibly. And then they just tried to cover it up because if you see the guy behind him, there's some sort of like, he's like holding the gun up at the wrong, like at the wrong time, he like holds the gun up and they think he accidentally might've shot him as well. Um, all because of the, like the bullet was in the wrong direction and came out the wrong spot for how he would have been up there. Um, dude, if imagine if, yeah, so somebody offers you millions and millions of dollars or whatever it is to kill the president just for your family. Like there's no chance. I mean, like there's, I'm saying there's no chance I would ever do that. Obviously like, that's just like a crazy that's just a crazy like theory i know bro the craziest part to me is is if he accidentally killed him why wouldn't they just like make the fbi guy just take the fall like why would they like you should just be like okay this is a stupid fbi agent who was on his job and he made the worst mistake possible but like also we're just gonna like own up to it but then again like some people are not good at owning up to things who knows who the fbi director was there and didn't want his like shit to get, I guess, fired. So he was just like, there's a dude in the window up there type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just thought that was crazy when I read it, bro. Like our president might've gotten killed by, it could have been an inside job. It could have been an accident from the inside job. Or, I mean, it could have just been the guy in the window that shot him and killed him. You know, what's funny. Well, it's not funny, but I have never heard about this conspiracy ever once in my life. Like when you brought it up to me, I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people that uh, like talk about it, and it's like I think History Channel made a couple um, shows about it. It was it was quite big when they came out with the we're gonna bring the the new um, files or whatever the old files I mean back, and we're gonna open them up to the public and stuff. People made a big deal out of it. Why do I feel like that's something on Netflix? Is there something on Netflix about that? Probably, if you were to search, you'd probably find something about JFK or YouTube for sure. Yeah. All right. We got some questions. Um, so if you haven't seen, I have a website, like thickteddytrading.squaresite type of thing. It's on my Twitter. You can go on there and then click on the Halt tab, and there'll be a, po- a spot to put in your questions, and we'll answer a couple of them every week until we get through them all or until we get through most of them. Um, we got two this week. The first one is going to be our serious kind of trading question. What was your first big win percentage-wise? What was it? How much percent? Um, when was it? And then your first big loss percentage-wise kind of and how you handled it, um, what you did to kind of recoup from that. My first big, like my the biggest win I had when I first started was I think Jivo. Yeah. So I was trading that at like 50 cents and it ran to like seven bucks or it ran to whatever. Um, yeah, it did. So yeah, I'm, if you can do the math, that's quite a bit. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't sell everything at the top, but I was still relatively new that I didn't scale out like I would have now like say I made that trade now dude I'm I'm holding a fourth till what maybe 100% I would have never caught that extra 1300% or whatever yeah. it ended up being but Jivo was huge for me and like I was pounding the table on Jivo for 
a long ass time. Um, and I also would like, f- like it was easy 50 to 55 cents, like every day scalp. Um, but I did so much like research on Jivo and, um, I'm claiming right here that I was first on Jivo, but I probably wasn't, but, um, Jivo was my biggest. Yeah. Cause that was like right when I, not right when I started, but like a month or two after I started. Yeah, my first big win, I don't, dude, to be honest, I don't remember a ton of my trading before I was on Twitter, like, that's kind of how, like, I was trading for, like, a year and a half before then, but most of, like, the things I remember, I feel like it might be because I type them out, and then I send them, but I remember most of the tweeting, um, things I've tweeted, and the biggest one I think I had was AVCT, which I still love that stock, but back in, like, I think a year ago, in June, um, I tweeted it on a, I believe Wednesday, maybe, um, at $2 and like 10 cents. And then the next morning they ran to $6 and like 80 cents. And that's not the biggest percentage win I've had. So that was like 300. And I think I actually might've perfectly traded that one. Like I, within 5% got like 300%. Like, I think I got like 290% somehow because I mean, Risk has changed since then. I've made a lot more money, so I don't want to lose money as much anymore. I can I can afford to take quick gains. But um, yeah, I bought that one because I thought there was going to be an earnings run up, and then I got extremely lucky that they PR'd something the next day. But that was kind of my first big win on Twitter. Um, yeah, it was like three hundred percent, and I sold for like two eighty or two ninety. Um, and then my loss. When I first started trading, I got caught up in the Amazon and UAVS rumor, and it was like two years ago. So this rumor has been around for like three years now or something, like two and a half years or however long it is, but I saw it somewhere, maybe stock twits. And so it wasn't just a stand thing? No, it was before that. It was before the stand thing, but the stand thing happened, and by then I was already like, dude, I got caught in this once, and I think I took a hard like... 30 to 40% loss in like a couple days because it went and then bop and I just got candled on real bad. That was my worst one. Yeah. No, my worst trade, I'm trying to think. When I first started, I told that story about that OTC stock. Um, Like my first trade ever, I I was up like 800 bucks and I'm like, oh, this is going to keep going because I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, this is going to keep going. So... Um, and then I ended up losing like 600 on that. Um, so that, and that was my very first trade. That was my biggest loss. Well, it would have been my biggest win and my biggest loss at the same time. But, uh, yeah, I, I lost like 600 bucks my first trade and I just about gave it up. So that probably, that was, yeah, that was my first or my worst loss when I first started, um, yeah, I can't really... Th- it's hard to think, dude. It's hard to think, because I've only been on Twitter since, like, the middle or end of September, like, calling stuff, yeah. so... I don't know. I'm super, like, conservative to trading, so I don't really take huge losses. I'm not saying, yeah, I, I'm, not saying I'm perfect or anything by any means. I'm saying I just cut stuff quick. Um, yeah. But that's, I'm like, from what I can like remember. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time... Um, I cut a loss before it becomes even more than a minimal small loss um, because I'd much rather cut it and then buy it back in a few, I guess, short days, however long, on a dip than uh, get caught in something for longer than I want to be. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, one thing quick is I see people like saying, oh, I don't want to use a stop loss because then what if it just bounces back right away? Well, you can set a buy order in. Like, you can set a buy order in and keep a stop loss in at the same time. So if you're afraid of something like that, then put a buy order in, set a stop loss. Your stop triggers, your buy order hits, you're fine. So I don't know. That's just a little quick tip. Yeah. Do some technical analysis. Get those, those, that right level for the stop loss and then get the right level for the buy. And, um, yeah, you're solid. Okay. So that's all I got. Um. Thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you guys for being here for episode three. We're going to record episode four this week, actually, because we're both going to be busy next week when we would record. So we're going to get that done, um, and we'll see you 
next week as well. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Shoot us some comments um, on here. And then shoot us some comments on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Um, Thank you. Yeah, one quick thing is uh, shout out to Austin and shout out to Anthony for helping us out with the podcast. Um, Austin reached, he's part of our Discord and he reached out and he helps us a lot with the audio. He like mixes the audio or whatever he does and it helps us out tremendously. So thank you. And our other friend Anthony reached out to us and hooked us up with, um, I know I personally needed a desk in the worst way and he actually uh, hooked me up with a desk. Um, so I really, we really appreciate that. And we, I just want to say thank you for that. So, yeah, I want to say thank you too. I'm going to send, um, both of them probably something, but I appreciate extremely the audio. Um, cause it fixed it in that last episode. The first episode we had the audio where it was me talking and then you talking was way lower. Um, so thank you. And then Anthony, man, I'm going to be hitting you up here soon because I know you're getting your desk and when I move, I'm getting my desk and chair. So thank you, both of you. Yep. Thanks guys. We'll see you next episode. Ah, yeah. I had too much-